the shadow of death I shall fear no evil for you are with me it says your rod and your staff it comforts me we like to believe that in our worst time that that, that the guidance is what help us, helps us and, and that's, that, that, old, that old rod that old staff comes out and it pulls us on back to where it goes but sometimes it takes that rod sometimes it takes a little bit of down sometimes it takes a sickness sometimes it takes all kinds of matter of things to get us back on schedule but it says thy rod and thy staff and that staff sometimes has to smite you down with something and get you ready to pray get you back down on your knees and as I begin to read this earlier I begin to think what better time is that than a miracle opportunity what better time is that than, than going to God over something that we need? God, I'm, I'm hurting in my body. God, I had a death in my family. God, we lost a pillar of this church. Can you please show us what's, what's going on? That rod. It was that rod. 
Can we go to the Lord real quick over these miracle opportunities? Believing that that may be pulling us back in. That may show us and guide us where we need to go. Lord Jesus, you see each and every need represented in this place. There's a host of them across this place. Let's remember the Bowie family, God. Lord, they're lost, Jesus. God, let's keep our hand upon them, Lord Jesus. For you are mighty to be praised and you are mighty to be glorified in your, in your kingdom and your power will be done in your will, Jesus. We worship you, dear Lord. We praise you, dear Lord. Clap your hands and remain standing. As hallelujah, hallelujah. If you will remain standing as the ushers get prepared to receive the offering, we would like to remind everybody that this Wednesday, Brother Herring will be with us at 7 o'clock. And uh, this Saturday at 9.30 a.m., be September 10th, it'll be men's conference. Men, y'all come out and bring all the men you can. We're expecting a move of God in that conference. Hallelujah. I want to remind y'all that the great pillar that he was talking about, Brother Bowie, is arrangements this Thursday. The wake will be from 5 to 9. And Friday, the viewing 10 to 2, and the funeral will be at 2. And we would also like to remind y'all of prayer Monday the 13th uh, at 7 p.m. If we could get ready to pray over our offering. Upon the authority of your word, I have given, and it shall be given to me. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither. I bring my tithe today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked and the curse is broken. I live under an open heaven. Pour out upon me such a blessing there is not enough room to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, seats and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mails, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, and royalties received. My whole family will be saved and walking with God. Whoever tells the one is to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in and I am blessed going out. All that I do will prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated as you give.
so small that Jesus can't resolve in time he'll get involved cause our God he cares about us so wait on the
Jesus. 
somebody next to you and begin to speak the name of Jesus over them. Let this sanctuary be filled with prayers calling upon that name right now. Oh, I pray it over this church. I speak the name of Jesus over these families. God, over these children. Over their jobs. All over their finances. Over their wayward children. Over those prodigals that are going to come back to you. Come on, all the saints, we need to tap into that name right now. We need to tap into that name right now. That name is the only thing that can bring joy. That name is the only thing that can bring the strength that you need. Oh, let the name of Jesus work. Hallelujah. Somebody shout that name. Jesus, what a name, all power. See, if there was a, if there was three of them, they'd have to each have a third. But since he said all power, that means there's just one. And that one, his name's Jesus, and he has all power. I'm glad today that I know who Jesus is. There's no confusion on my part. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Amen. Remain standing as we turn to the word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 will be the start uh, of our text tonight, but I do want to say just a couple of things. Thank you, everyone that has helped and, and brought food on behalf of Sister Linda. Uh, we miss Brother Bowie something terribly. Most people don't know for the past few months, uh, Brother Bowie would show up just a few hours early, and uh, he would come to my office, and we'd sit, and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, his wisdom, and he was a very witty man. You wasn't going to get one over on him, and so I'm I'm thankful for all of this church family that has come together. The funeral this week, there will be many, many uh, people coming through, many ministers across the country making their way to pay their respects. And so um, let's continue to hold this family up in prayer this week. Amen. Also want to give honor, the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. Last Monday, Brother Aaron and Sister Stacy Spence and Brother Jeremy and Sister Megan Fuquay went before the Louisiana District Board and they received their local license. And so we want to honor them and, and congratulate them on this milestone. Proud of all of our ministry team in this church. Uh, there's a lot of churches that do not have the resources that this church has. And so as a pastor, it's comforting to know that I can call on any of these men at a moment's notice. They may not like it at a moment's notice, but I can call on them at a moment's notice. And they will come up here and knock it out of the park. And so I'm so proud 
of what God is doing in their lives and in their ministries. Amen. Also, just so you'll know, we can celebrate together. This week we gave the check and paid cash for those dorms on the campground. And we don't have to raise peanut brittle, sell peanut brittle. God blessed us with the money to do so, and we give God the glory for it. Thank you for your giving and your contributions. And now we're still going to be doing meals and stuff because we're going to do a little facelift and just, just kind of update them and freshen them up. But uh, I'm just so thankful for this opportunity God blessed us with. Amen. Verse number 7, 2 Corinthians. If I said first, I'm sorry. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. By the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach a little while on this thought. What the world doesn't know. What the world does not know. Could you lift your hands one more time? Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come today solely dependent upon your spirit. God, to touch our hearts and our minds and open up our ears and give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say unto the church. My Lord, tonight we need to draw closer to you. We're not resting upon what you did last week or what you did on Wednesday, but God, we're needing a fresh touch today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you glory and praise. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. Lord bless you. you. You may be seated. There is something innate in humanity. You don't have to activate it. It's residual. It's there. And that is curiosity. Curiosity can be a good thing. And curiosity can be a bad thing. Curiosity will teach you what to do, and it'll teach you what not to do. I remember when I was probably 12, 11, somewhere around there, we went out to a hunting lease with my dad, and we had an old Honda big red three-wheeler. Anybody remember those back in the day? Ours didn't have brakes. Nothing we had ever worked properly. And it was kind of like a sea do. You, 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 you don't have brakes on a, on a wave runner. You just pray. And I remember my buddy, I didn't know anything about, it, uh, about anything. The older I get, I realize I don't know anything about anything. But he said, he pointed to the muffler. He said, hey, grab that. Sure. It was like just flesh melting. At that very moment. Of course, just boys, he got the biggest kick out of me doing that. 
And he said, I'm going to show you how hot that is. And there was an old plastic cup just laying in the ground. He picked it up and just laid it on that cup or on that muffler, and it just began to melt all over that muffler. That's pretty hot. And my curiosity taught me a lesson. I've never touched another muffler again. Curiosity is innate within you. There's things that you just wonder. And curiosity is what has developed technology to where we are today. Curiosity has got us the luxuries of society that 50 years ago, 60 years ago, they didn't have. How many remember uh, going to church without air conditioning? Any elders remember going to church without air, air conditioning? See, just in their lifetime, and they probably preached longer than we preach today, and people stayed in church. Just in that span of time, people's curiosity has brought us where we are today. Curiosity is a great thing. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. But it's also, the Bible says, what causes some people to just keep stumbling over the reality of truth. Because the Bible says that men will be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. It's curiosity within men that causes them to seek answers. It's curiosity within a person to keep developing themselves. I never was one of these people that just enjoyed going to school and just made a career out of it. I just went the minimum amount of time I had to go to get a piece of paper. And this is what I learned. They don't put GPAs on diplomas. Everybody gets their name in a piece of paper. And it doesn't matter. I, I had to wait until, I believe it was the day before my graduation to see if I was going to pass chemistry. That's how bad it was. Can't tell you nothing I learned. But, but the Bible talks about there would be a sect of people because there's always been a people like this throughout generations that were so smart, yet they were so dumb. They were so knowledgeable, yet they were without knowledge. That's what the Jews were. They just kept tripping over the fact that Jesus was the chief cornerstone. They kept tripping over the fact that he was the Messiah. God manifests in the flesh. The world looks at the church, and they got so much curiosity that they cannot see what we see. Here the world looks at us and they say why in the world can you go on a Sunday and spend hours worshiping but what the world doesn't know is that we're not just going through the motions we're in line with the God that saved us we're in line with the word that lived that, that saved us hey friend I don't care what the world ever says there's some things the world doesn't know the world Judges everything by what they see on the outside. And God never let society see the beauty until they went on the inside. We are superficial people. We're superficial. We judge everything by what we see. And this is, this is what God did. He said, Moses... I want to have communion. I want to have fellowship with my people. And so he began to give him instructions. 
on how to lay out that tabernacle. And we went through all of this in our Sunday school time. We went through every piece of furniture. And there was a portion that was visible to people. It was part of that tabernacle that had that, that brazen altar, that brazen labor, or the altar of sacrifice, that brazen labor. There was a place in the open where people could see. And all that was visible to society, to the passers-by, was blood, was sacrifice. All they could see was what people had to give up, what they had to let go of, what they had to surrender. But God said there's going to be another place. And that on the inside is going to be where the beauty of living for God is. And he walked in there and there's a, no light except that golden candlestick, the table of showbread, the altar of incense. And then at the very end of it, when you got beyond that veil, there was the Ark of the Covenant, that mercy seat. But all of the beauty of living for God was encased in skin. On the outside, all it was was skins, that whole tabernacle. It was, it was not something to behold. It was not comely. It was not beautiful. And what God was saying was this, if all you're interested in is the superficial, then you're not going to be like, you're not going to like living for God. Because what you see on the outside is not really what it takes to live for God. But it's what happens on the inside. But watch this. Let's jump to the New Testament. Because the Bible says again, the Spirit of God was enclosed in skin. And God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But the Bible says that skin that he was clothed in was not comely. I'm telling you, he didn't walk off the pages of GQ magazine. He wasn't the one that walked in the room and everybody just gawked and stared because he was voted the most handsome among them. That wasn't the Lord because God said, I, I'm not going to clothe myself in something that's going to attract people to my looks. I'm going to be clothed in skin just like in the Old Testament. He was clothed in skin. And then he said, there's going to come a day when the beauty of the Lord is going to be clothed in skin. And some may be attractive than others, but we're not, God's not worried about that. But he said, I'm going to do the work in them and through them. And the people of the world are going to look at them and scratch their heads and go, what in the world are they doing? How in the world can they act like they act? How in the world can they pray like they pray? But the Bible says we have this treasure in earth and vessels. Hey, friend, when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, he didn't just take a few minutes for you to talk in tongues. He deposited something within you, and the world didn't give it, so the world can't take it away. You have got something that the world does not understand. Why did he, 
Why did he do this? He says that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. Bible said that Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. The law was contingent upon what man could do to obey. But the Bible said that there came a time when the blood of bulls and goats was no longer sufficient. It had an expiration date because all of that was man-based. All of that was what men could do. Listen, it takes men to build buildings. It takes men and, and women to play music. It takes men and to, to, to work and to provide the finances. And, and it takes men to do a whole lot of stuff. And it takes humanity. But lest we start thinking that we can do it without the treasure within us. We're only fooling ourselves. What makes the church the church is not how big the building is. It's not the songs that are sang. It is what happens inside of us. It's that treasure that's in earthen vessels. But the world is still scratching their heads just like they did when they would go by that tabernacle not understanding that the beauty of that was what was happening on the inside and they don't understand how church people could go through everything that they go through and still show up and pray. And still show up and shout. And still show up and give. And still show up and read their Bible. But what they don't realize is that this, it's not because of what we have up here. It's what we have right here. It's that treasure that is in earthen vessels. And the writer said, because we have this treasure within us, we are troubled on every side, period. Hold on, right there. Everybody is troubled on every side. People that get out of church because of all the trials they're having to endure. Listen, the grass may be greener on the other side, but it still has to be mowed. It's still got crabgrass. It's still got problems. I'd rather have problems with Jesus with me than have problems without somebody to call on. You're going to have trouble. The Bible says man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. But let me tell you the difference. What the world doesn't know is that yes, we may have trouble on every side. Yet we are not distressed. Why? Because there's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. There's a very present help in the time that we need him. There's a God within us that knows what we need. The world looks at us and says, how in the world can you have peace? It's because within us is the prince of peace. People in the world lose their mind, have breakdowns, go crazy. I'm not telling you that living for God exempts you from life. It doesn't. There may be a time you feel like you 
lose your mind and you just want the problem to go away or your spouse to leave. I read a sign one side one time that said, you need to learn uh, how to go. It said, somebody told me to embrace my biggest mistake, so I gave my husband a hug. <laughs> but there's something in you. There's something in you that's going to enable you to have a peace when your world is falling apart. How is it that you can leave a doctor and have the worst report you've ever heard, yet you're not scared and you're not distressed? It's because something in you is overriding what's happening around you. And the world looks at you and wonders why in the world are they so peaceful and their head is above the water. It's because the prince of peace is within them. Hey, friend, God just sent me tonight to remind you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You may have problems, but there's an answer in the midst of your storm. There's an answer to all of life's problems. He said, we're troubled, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed. We're perplexed. There's only a few times I looked up at the word of God word perplexed. There's a handful of times. And basically it means confused. Just perplexed. Scratching your head, trying to figure out what's going on. But, but it said, I may be perplexed, but I'm not in despair. Despair is synonymous with hopelessness. When you can't figure something out and you just feel that dread and that despair associated with that perplexed situation. And this is what this is what the writer said. Our hope is not based on what's happening down here. I'm paraphrasing. He said, But my hope reaches beyond this earth, and my hope reaches into the eternal. And the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways. Listen to me. As long as you try to live for God based upon logic, then God can be no bigger than your mind. You quarantine him within the realm of human comprehension. You've got to have the liquidity of thought and the nimbleness of mind to understand that you don't know everything that you need to know about life. And when you can't figure out what's going on, you got to step into the fact that God always knows what's going on. And I may be perplexed. I may be staring at my situation, wondering which way I need to go, and I can't figure out what in the world to do. But I am not hopeless because my hope is rooted and anchored in Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. I've come to tell tonight to tell somebody that you may feel hopeless, but with Jesus Christ, there's no such thing as hopelessness because he is hope within you. He said persecuted but not forsaken. We don't really know what persecution we don't know what persecution is in comparison to biblical times. 
and the disciples, there's a reason Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always. Because he knew there would come a time where they felt like he wasn't. And you read all throughout the book of Acts, you'll find persecution coming to the church. But you know what you find with persecution? Revival. Revival. If you talk to missionaries overseas, and you spend any length of time visiting with them, and, and I, I'm talking about places where persecution is common with the church. You'll also find another key theme, just like the book of Acts, revival. No, no, not like what we think revival is, but let me tell you what revival really is. Revival is the Lord adding to the church daily such as should be saved. And so if that means that they're coming to your house and you're teaching them a Bible study and you're praying them through and baptizing them in your, in your, in your tub, that's revival. Now it may not look like what we want revival to look like as far as in Pentecost, but God sees a soul and when persecution comes into your life and you're going to feel like you're abandoned, but the Bible says we are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Let me tell you why it's impossible for you to feel abandoned, because God is everywhere at the same time. Either the writer said, I go to the heavens and he's there. I go down to the depths of hell and he's there. God is everywhere. So don't you let the enemy lie to you and tell you that God's abandoned you, and because people turn their back on you, that God turned his back on you. My friend, God God can't turn his back on you because God doesn't have a back. He's a spirit. He's everywhere at the same time. Yeah, you may face persecution, but you're not forsaken. Cast down. Cast down. Daniel, you'd go read up on Daniel. Daniel lived for the Lord. But that did not exempt him from problems. And he was cast down into a pit. It was a season of life that was not pleasant. Cast down doesn't mean just you falling down. It means you going through a season of life that's testing everything within you. You know what I've learned about seasons? Fall is my favorite time of year. I love the changing of the leaves. I just love the colors. This has been a transition into fall unlike I've ever seen before, weather-wise. You can't put your finger on a day and says this is when the season starts and this is when the season ends. Because I started seeing leaves change weeks ago where they normally wouldn't have been changing yet. You don't get to choose when your seasons start. And you don't get to choose when your seasons end. But I can tell you this. If God brought you to it, he'll bring you through it. 
You may feel cast down. You may feel rejected. Daniel, I know you've done everything right, yet you feel like everything's wrong. But David, Daniel understood whose den he was dwelling in. The Bible called it a den of lions, not the lion's den. Because if it was the lion's den, then the enemy would have control over it. But it was a den of lions. Therefore, they did not have control over that season that Daniel walked in. And when that king opened up that next morning, he realized that he was cast down, but he was not destroyed. And I've come to remind somebody tonight, you may be in a season where you feel cast down, but let me tell you, you won't be destroyed in this season. Your condition is not your conclusion. Where you're at right now is not the final chapter. There's a God that is with you, and the world doesn't know how you can make it. But we have this treasure. Come on, stand with me right now. I got a treasure. We got a treasure. Touch your neighbor and say, you got a treasure. You got a treasure in earthen vessels. Musicians, you can come. The world can't see the beauty. This is what David said. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after. To behold the beauty of the Lord. See, the world looks at us. And all they see is what we have to give up. What we have to sacrifice. Can't wear this and can't do that and can't go here and can't do that. And it's just rules. Let me tell you this. Everybody in here has the ability to do whatever you want to do. So we got to take can and can't out the equation. This is not a matter of can we, because that denotes ability. But it's will we. Because living for God is not based on ability. It's based upon our will. You're here tonight because you wanted to be in the house of God. You could have sat at home and ate Cheetos the rest of the night and been just as happy. But you chose... I will be in the house of God. The world looks at us and they don't know why we worship like we do. Why we pray like we do. Why we give like we do. Because it's some things God hides from the world and it's only made known to those who hunger and thirst after it. I just stepped to this pulpit night tonight to remind you there's something in you that's going to enable you to make it to the other side. Do you realize that you have within you the only thing that hell couldn't keep down? That's the Spirit of God. You may not view it that way, but the Bible says a just man fallen seven times but he got back up. Let me tell you how you can get back up. Not because of your own will, but because of that treasure 
that God put inside of you. That gift that God put inside of you. And I'm talking to people tonight that you feel like your world is caving in. You feel like your brains are getting beat out. You feel like there's nothing going right and everything's going wrong. But hear the word of the Lord. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. Touch your neighbor and tell him you're going to make it. You're going to make it. How are you going to make it? By remembering what's on the inside. I want us to step forward to this altar tonight. I want you to come down here and lift those hands to heaven and say, God, stir that passion up in me. Stir that determination up in me tonight. Come on, you got a treasure. You got a treasure. You got a treasure. Oh, the writer said, stir up the gift within you. You're going to make it through this thing. You're going to make it through this thing. This field. I know the You're gonna make it. Yes, I know him by 